morning, everyone. It sure is good to see you all. <laughs> I am so glad to be here today. Um, I believe that, boy, all morning the Lord's just been putting things in my heart, and I believe God has something for all of us today. Um, I want to first pray. Mm. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful that you have called us to be your people. When we once were not a people, now we are the people of God. Lord, you've joined our hearts to you, to one another. And Lord, as we go forward, I ask that that would only deepen Thank you for your presence this morning, Lord, that you honor us by your presence. And it's in this place, Lord, that we want to lean forward to hear from you. I ask that you would give us ears to hear that which you are saying, that we might do more than just perceive sound or hear words, but that this would become life for us, that your word could be made flesh in us and so that we might bring glory and honor to you. Lord, help me that as I speak and declare your word, Lord, that these would be more than just words, that, Lord, I might convey your heart as well. Lord, help me to be faithful as your servant. And so, Lord, I ask that in both the declaring and in the hearing of your word, you would help us all so that you would be honored and your glory manifest in our lives. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, a few little minor things that may not make sense now, but will probably make sense a little later on. I have... First of all, a question. How many of you actually live in independence? <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I thought, so it's, I'm not surprised. Okay. How many of you live reasonably close to someone else in the church? Reasonably close. Just a few-minute drive one way or the other. Okay, well, that's, that's good. Okay. How many of you own a cell phone where you can text or call where you can pretty easily? All right, good, good. Those may not make a whole lot of sense now, but trust me, we'll, we'll get back to them. All right, first thing. Second thing, I want to thank you all for praying uh, for me. Um, I hadn't planned on sharing this this morning, but it became a prophetic picture that I want to share with you. Um, Lawanda and I were arm wrestling. <laughs> and she beat me. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, on Christmas Day, I, I had a, a silly little event that took place. Tried to pick up a box 
that wasn't very big and it wasn't very heavy, but it was awkward and I tried to palm it like you would a, a, uh, a basketball, slipped out of my hand, hyperextended my ring finger and it ruptured, ruptured a flexor tendon. Sounds horrible, didn't hurt a whole lot, but my problem is when I put it down and I went to bend my finger to pick the thing up, my finger didn't bend. Didn't know if it was dislocated or broken or whatever, but it just didn't bend. And to make a long story short, what I discovered was that there is a little tendon that connects that joint. It's a flexor tendon. It had ruptured when it hyperextended. Now, I've never seen that tendon before. Paid no attention to it at all because it was an inconsequential thing. Wouldn't tell you, be able to tell you today what it looks like. But just that little thing sent me into surgery three days later. They told me, you're going to be in a splint for six weeks. By the way, my dominant side is my right side. So life has become very complicated for me. Uh, and then beyond the splint, I'm not sure how much further I'll have to go in terms of therapy. The reason that I bring it up is that a little piece that I never saw malfunctioned or broke, and because I'm right-handed, it basically has shut me down. I am now in my second uh, lockdown since the pandemic. I can't drive. So in our, in our house, Lawanda's Miss Daisy. 44 years, I've been driving Miss Daisy. Guess who's driving now? Miss Daisy. She's driving. Um, I'm right-handed, so trying to use a fork and spoon doesn't work. Trying to tie my shoes don't work. Sometimes getting in and out of clothes don't work. As a matter of fact, the, therapy, uh, the therapist said, she said, the only thing that you need to remember with this right hand is move it, don't use it. And the reason is that the rupture could easily tear again. So what occurred to me this morning is that there are these little pieces and parts that we never even pay attention to. I, I could see my finger, but... What was malfunctioning wasn't my finger. It was a little supporting tendon that that finger needed. And when it no longer functioned, it literally shut my life down. I am probably at about 20%, 25% functional right now. You know, that's why Lawanda's here, because even changing pages. She's, very, she's a really Gestapo chief when it comes to don't do this. But anyway, the, the reason that I wanted to share that is that that tendon has no purpose of its own except to pull that joint down. It doesn't exist for itself. It exists so that this finger can work properly. And I've got to go through virtually every hour exercises in the day. That's really disruptive to my day as well. But why do I want to, why do I want to bring that up? Because we're talking about some things that are so basic to us, they are habits, things that we need to do uh, uh, on a regular basis so that we can function well 
as we follow the Lord. So I wanted to start out by just talking about habits. Because habits has been really the focus for the whole month. Do you realize habits can be good habits or bad habits? Um, some years ago, Will Ford, we, we heard him downtown. Some of you know who Will Ford is. He talked about the house that they grew up in. They had a door. This was an old house and must not have been a great neighborhood or whatever. But the, the doorknob was broken in the house. Nobody ever fixed it because what they ended up doing, it was just kind of more of a hassle. So they just lived with it that way. And so in order to get into that room, there was a knife that they kept by the door. They just left the knife there, put the knife in the slot where the doorknob was, turned it, and that way they would open and close the door. And they did it so often that they didn't even think about it any longer. And I thought, habit. In our house, um, we had a, uh, a toilet that was kind of a really odd thing. The water pressure wasn't real great. And so some of you are old enough to remember those 7-Eleven. Remember those big cups of, of uh, pop that you could get? Big gulp. We have a, have a big gulp in our bathroom. And so whenever you needed to flush the toilet, you would flush and hardly any pressure at all. So Lawanda just put this cup there, and, the, and we would fill the cup up, pour it into the toilet two different times when you flushed it. That way it would, it would just go right down. And it happens so often, habit. Well, guess what? We got a new toilet. We got a new toilet. But there was a behavior that came because something wasn't working the way it was designed to work. Will Ford, Will Ford had to end up, they finally ended up putting a doorknob in. And instead of using a knife, which it was not designed to open doors, they finally got to the place of using what was supposed to be working. Old habits, new habits. We all have them. We all, I used to bite my nails when I, was, when I was young. Just some of these things. How many of you have habits that, that it's like, well, the things that, 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 that we kind of get into, I, I looked up because I knew that this was about habits. I just looked up the definition. Here, listen to this, see if it applies. An acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. You don't even think about it. You don't even think about it. Well, you get used to those things and you consider them as being normal. Use the knife to open the door. Take the big gulp cup and just two of those in the water and, and there you go. But that applies in other areas as well. Some things we just accept as normal. Let me say something, and my intent this morning is to stretch and to challenge how you see certain things. Now, I can't do all of that in 30 minutes. But I hope I make you uncomfortable enough so that you'll, you'll at least wake up one night and think, you know, that was really right, and what do I do with that? But we have habits that, behaviors that we do that need to be adjusted. Prayer is one of those things that need to be adjusted. The Word is one of those things. Uh, I want to talk this morning about community. Because that's not something that we really do think about. How many of you have said, at least once in your life, I'm going to church? 
How many of you say often, I'm going to church? Okay, that's fair. Um, well, here's the thing. If I were to ask you, is church the building that you go to, what would you tell me? No, it's not the building. But yet, what we say is, I'm going to church. Well, where are you going? We're going to the building. 9,600, is it 9,600 Rockside? 4,100 Rockside. Oh, thank you. Oh, see, this is why it's good to have Lamont in here. 4,100 Rockside. So our language, language is such that it reflects realities for us. That's the whole purpose of language. I say something because in that way, you understand this is what I'm talking about. And I would say that close to 100% of Christians in this country and in most countries will say, I'm going to church. Well, you're not going to church. You're going to a building. You're going to a building. But after so long, you start to think of it as, guess what? It's the building. You and I have all been in places where they're more... Uh, traditional churches where the kids run up and down the aisles and just have a great time after the service, and some dear older saint will say, hey, 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 you know, you can't run here. You shouldn't do that. Why? Because this is a holy place. The church isn't the place. It's not the place. When do you go to church? Anybody? Sunday. So you go on Sunday, we come to this place. And what I want to suggest is that God is trying to extend and expand how we see this. If I were to, oh, uh, how often do we go? Usually once a week. So we go to the building once a week. Where do we go? 4,100 Rockside. And yet I want to suggest you are the church, but the church is far more than what's going on in Independence at 4,100 Rockside Road. And we need to make intentional adjustments in order to accommodate that. Now I ask how many of you live in Independence and nobody raised their hand. What I would suggest is that Rockside Church, from God's vantage point, is not an independence. How many live in Parma? Okay. Um, um, I know Rand and Lisa are in South Euclid, Cleveland, other communities. Strongsville, Brooklyn, Maple Heights, Seven Hills. Parma Heights. Can I suggest to you that Rockside Church is in all of those places? It's in all of those places. And yet, guess what? Our language says independence. And so everything revolves around what goes on, guess where? Independence. Independence. We've gotten used to the one thing so long that we continue. Now, I'm not trying to, to dismiss the fact that you're here because this is a gathering place. But it is just all of those places coming together to gather here. But the life of this church is not 
primarily in independence, it's where you live. And it's important to understand that. Now, why is that? Because the church is much, much more. And functionally then, there are other things that it needs to do so that Christ can use his body to do what he wants to do. I want to read two passages of scripture initially. I don't have a whole lot of scriptures today, but I, I want to start here because I want us to understand the basis of what I'm talking about. Um, in John 13, Jesus says this. Well, let me ask you first. Let me ask you first. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Good. Good. Everybody gets 100%. All right. Now, the thing is, do you realize they didn't know all there is? There's another one. There's another one. Jesus, toward the end of his time here in John 13, he says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In John chapter 15, he says this. Oh, by the way, John 15 is where he talks about abiding, continuing, remaining. This is what he says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandment. Now, what was his commandment? Love one another. How? As I have loved you. It's important to remember that. Uh, that's, there's going to be a quiz by the end of this verse. Okay. So, um, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. Is that a suggestion? No. What is it? Not to do it is what? It's disobedience. We don't have an option with this. We are commanded to love one another. Um, and that's his commandment. And there are certain things that he's made very clear. In chapter, in, verse, in chapter 13, he says, love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love them? Gave his life. Let me ask you something. Those last three and a half years, how often was Jesus with his disciples? This, by the way, is toward the end, so this is a very well-defined group. How often was he with them, or were they with him? 24-7, thank you. 24-7, they were together. So, so 
he's saying now, if you're going to do this the way that I'm doing this, there is a continual, continual connection that you have with one another. Um, did, when they, when they did things together, where did they go together? Every place they went, wasn't it? Every place they went, they were together. They didn't do things on their own. They did things together. Why? What is he building? He's building community so that even the smallest of things, they didn't necessarily do by themselves. I want to jump ahead. You don't have to do this now, but I want to say something to you that was a word that the Lord spoke to me years ago. We went to a conference down in Louisville, Kentucky, and I met some people from all over the world. It was a reconciliation conference. My youngest son, Michael, was with us, and I was so impressed with all of the people who were there. They were serious folks, like I said, from all over the globe, and this wasn't racial reconciliation only, by the way. This was when the, the, the Catholics and the Protestants were doing things in Northern Ireland. The whole thing in Rwanda had just taken place. A million people killed by Hutus and Tutsis. And so all of that was going on. But I was so touched by the sincerity and the depth of the people who were there and how it contrasted with so many people that I had seen here in the U.S. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what is it that I'm looking at? What is wrong with American Christians? And God spoke a real word to my heart. It wasn't a condemning word, but it was an insightful one. And this is what he said. American Christians are too much American and too little Christian. We have absorbed and have embraced the things that are around us, and we have become like them rather than us becoming like the one whose name we bear. So, so here is the thing now. Um, when it comes to how Jesus did this, there wasn't a, an inflated sense of I or my, but there was more a matter of we. When they went somewhere, they went together. He was with them pretty much 24-7. He was, in, was he involved in the details of their lives, and were they involved in the details of each other's lives? Certainly were. They served together, they ate together, they traveled together, their lives were joined, and they were connected. Love one another as I have loved you. Those were the conditions. Those were the conditions. And he says that if you do that, that will be an indication that you are my disciples. Starts to sound like John 17, doesn't it? Be one so that the world would know. But it's all based on that one commandment, love one another. This is what that looks like. This is what that looks like. So he says in John 15, if you keep my commandments, then you will abide in my love. The condition of abiding in his love is to keep his commandment. And what is his commandment? Look, come on now. Talk to me. What is his commandment? Love one another. How? A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Let's say that together. <laughs> A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And it's important to put that as I have loved you because we got all kinds of crazy ways of, of talking about how we love one another. And most of what the world says is just Anyway, all right, 
So, so that's the thing. As I have loved you, if we do that, we will abide in his love. And what does Jesus use as the, uh, 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 as the basis for that? Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. What is his commandment? Love one another as I have loved you. Now, in chapter 15, he goes on. How does he demonstrate that love for us? I heard it over here earlier. What did he do? He laid down his life. Do you know what uh, John 3.16 says? How many of you can quote John 3.16? God so loved the world. Come on, let's sing together. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have very good choir. Now, 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 says this. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. Therefore, we lay down our lives for one another. Ha! Ha! The demonstration is that we lay down our lives one for another. The songs this morning about surrender are so powerful are so powerful. What keeps me from laying down my life? It's that I don't want to surrender. I want to hold on to this. I don't want to surrender. So I just, if I'm wrestling with that, I'll never lay down my life. Jesus said, if man wants to come after me, what does he have to do first? Deny himself. You got to lay down your life. That's an issue you and Jesus have to, have to sort out. That I, I, I have to, if I'm going to follow you, I can't do this with an inflated sense of me and my, my stuff, my concerns, my priorities, and so on. Let me tell you something. Most people come to church services, guess what? For what reason? I need to get built up. But that was such a good sermon. Oh, I love that. Didn't those songs inspire you? I mean, it's all of that because they're there for their needs. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't pay attention to our needs? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that at all. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, here's a news flash for you. Your heavenly Father knows what your needs are. He knows what your needs are. And with that knowledge, do you know what Jesus says? Seek first what? No matter what your needs are, your father already knows you have them. So you can let go of that stuff and make his commandment and his priorities your commandment, your priorities. Okay, so, so that, that now becomes an issue. Lay down your life is how you demonstrate your love for your friends. Jesus did that. Remember, last, last supper, what do they do? They go in. Who ends up washing whose feet? He washed their feet. He said, y'all don't even know what I'm doing. I'm trying to show you how to do this thing. That you, you elevate them over yourself. You are not here for you. You are here for them. That little tendon wasn't there for itself. It was there to help that finger 
do what it needed to do. And when it got broken, guess what? This couldn't do what it needed. There are some things that are going to be big things that go on in meetings and in gatherings and in services, and everybody walks away and says, oh, what an amazing thing that went on. But then there's some little things that in your little corner of the world, God will say, you need to go to them and say that. And you may not know why you're doing that, but they will know why you're doing that. And all of a sudden, it opens something up. I'm trying to get you to say, to stop looking at just what's going on with me, because this ain't about you. And it ain't about me. This is about him who's called us for his purposes. And so, oh my, I got to run. All right. Um, so it's the basis of our relationship with him to do what he commands. Jesus says, the slave doesn't know what the master's doing. But I don't call you friends if you will keep my commandment. And his commandment is? There are certain things that you won't know apart from your connections with one another and working that out. So I want to go real quickly down a list of some things because the, 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 the point I want to get to is what that looks like together. I, I wish there were time to do more of that, but I can't. So let me just give you some things. Let me first set the record straight in terms of the church as the place that you go and so on and so forth. I want to give you just a real brief list. I won't expand on them except I want to highlight one. Eight aspects of what the church is. This is based on the word of God. Family of God. Number two, body of Christ. Number three, we're God's workmanship. That's, God doesn't have these individual superstars, but a lot of what he calls us to do is collaborative. You've got to work with somebody else to get the thing done. Okay, so it's God's workmanship. Number four, one new mankind. One new mankind without races and distinctions and categories. Okay? That way that God can use the whole body of Christ. Uh, number five, we're a community of the king. Number one, family of God. Number two, body of Christ. Number three, his, God's workmanship. Number four, one new mankind. Number five, we're the community of the king. That's the one that I want us to understand that we are. We are a community. Church, Change or not change, but extend your thinking from we are individuals who are members of a congregation to we are a community of the king. Oh, no, that was that was my exercise thing. <laughs> Number six, we're temple in the Lord. By the way. The body and the temple are both fitted and held together. They are fitted together, fitted together, relationships, ongoing relationships. So number six, temple in the Lord. Number seven, the bride of Christ. That's corporate. That is corporate. I have no idea what it is to be a bride. But together, we are the bride of Christ, are we not? And number eight, we're the army of God. So what does that necessitate then? That necessitates a change in our thinking. I want to read Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And I think I can, I think I can, you know, 
bring this together in a fairly clear way. But listen, this is the church on its first day. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Verse 44, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's the church on the first day. How many of them were there? Some of you would know on the first day. Right before the 3,000. 3,000. There wasn't a building that could contain them. So it wasn't like, let's go to Third Baptist, all 3,000 of you, and we'll have our services there. No, no, no. That wasn't what was going on. They were not 3,000 individuals who met in a church building as a congregation somewhere, that's not what was going on at all. That's not what you see taking place here. But there were some other things going on. Remember I said too much American, too little Christian? We think of stadiums and these big venues and just gather all of these folks together. And we've been doing that for a very long time. And we have accomplished very little of what God has called us to accomplish. Even though we, we have probably on a Sunday morning more money that's collected, more people that are gathered at most sporting events, and yet we are able to accomplish very little. Why? Because there's so much more that we need to be. I need to stress to you, you are a part of a community. You need to see yourself, Rockside Church, as a community of the king. Your community who is committed to obey the king, and his commandment is love one another. That's the basis. Now, let me, let me say this. Let me just go through real quickly their habits, because that's the thing. We're talking about holy habits here. Let me list the habits that, uh, that, that you see taking place here. First of all, it says they were continually devoted. When I see continually devoted, you know what I, that says to me? This is a habit. They were continually doing this thing, and they were devoted. It was a willful, good habit that took place. So here we go. Here we go. They were, they were continually devoted to apostolic teaching. Well, I wish I could unpack that one, but I can't. i got to keep going. To fellowship. When you start to see lists in the Bible, usually they are lists in terms of hierarchy and importance. First thing was the apostles' teaching. Why? Because Jesus was the one that sent them and said, now you're going to be the ones that build this thing in terms of my church. The second thing that's listed there is fellowship. The word there is koinonia. Let me just read to you what it is. Uh, koinonia is what is shared in common as the basis of fellowship or community. It's the intimate bond of fellowship which unites Christians absolutely. The word that stands out there is intimate. It is an absolute intimate commitment that binds together God's people. Not just occasionally, but it is continual. Third thing that you see taking place there that was a habit of theirs was breaking bread, the Lord's Supper. We're going to do that when we're done here this morning. 
That was a habit. It was a permanent universal element in the church's life. Now, let me tell you, there's a little secret to this that is right there in the Bible, but most of us never pay attention to. That the breaking bread was a part of the evening meal. And so they got together to have their meal together. And when they did that as a commemorative of the Lord's death and suffering, they would break bread. The communion was not separate from that initially. It was a part of a meal together. I want to read to you once we take, take communion, there's a warning that Paul gives that has to do not only with the elements, but they're eating together. But that's what they did. That was a part of their habit. They took their meals together. Uh, the breaking bread was both the meals and also communion. And then the fourth of the things that they were continually devoted to by habit was prayer. That was one of the things we talked about early in the month. Now, when you, when you look through this, here's what it says. They were continually together. Was Jesus together with, the tw with, the, uh, with his disciples? Yep, 24-7. It says they were together. They had all things in common. Now, everybody maintained the possession of their stuff, but here's what happened. If I have this and you have a need, guess what? Not mine. It's yours. There was a sense that this is not about me now. This is about us. So you got to be very aware. So what does that say? I'll help to meet your needs. They shared their possessions. They saw themselves differently than the way they'd seen themselves before. Before you came to Christ, it was about you. After Christ, it's about us. It's about we. Um, they were meeting needs. What that says to me is that they were involved in each other's lives. Not just when bad things were going on, but when good things were going on. They were sharing their lives together. They were involved with one another. Not just once a week. That's why, that, well, let, let, me, let me finish this and then I'll kind of draw some of this together. Um, and then there were the daily habits. Verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. How often were they doing it? Daily. Daily, there were connections every day that they had. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. There was corporate prayer that was going on daily. They were taking their meals together. Uh, that's the interesting thing. They didn't have buildings, so what were they doing? House to house. They were taking their meals together, 3,000 of them. And then, then it says, uh, with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. They were worshiping together. I want to make a suggestion. And I thought about it this morning, especially knowing what I wanted to share. When we're, however many gathered in a room, and we sing the word I, because that's the way the lyrics are written, that says one thing. But when you see the word I, and you replace that with we, that says something all together. That's an intentional change that said, this isn't about me. Lord, we are gathered here. We are yours. We are your people. We are the sheep of your hand. We exalt your name. That's an intentional thing. It's not a big thing, but it is a way. It's one of those outward reminders that says we are a people. Okay. Um, 
Together they were relating to the people who were around him, said they were having favor with all of the people. Seven Hills, Parma, Strongsville, South Euclid, Brooklyn, Cleveland. If that's where Rockside Church is, and you're fairly close to somebody else, guess what? You've now got territory that's staked out. So that, that becomes your mission place. And you express the life of this body of believers in that place. Now, there's a list of 42 one another's that I'm not going to read. You probably just heard LaWanda groan. <laughs> it's posted there, and you can put it in with your notes. But those 42 one another's all have to do not with church services at all, have to do with how we live our lives together as the community of the king. Now, I want to do this, and then I'd love for us to take the Lord's table together. Um, there are two documents that are defining, at least in my estimation, the issue of communion, or covenant rather. One was written by Don Basham years ago. This is, is that the one that's up, Covenant Community? That's on the, um, on the uh, uh, jump drive. Covenant community, a community of God's redeemed people bound together in covenant love, submitted to compassionate authority and rulership, manifesting peace, holiness, and family fidelity expressed through revered fatherhood, cherished woman and motherhood with secure and obedient children, families that are part of this community, a community where loving correction and instruction produces healthy growth and maturity where dedication to excellence produces the finest results in, here are the categories, these are life categories, arts, crafts, trades, commerce, where you work, where you do life. A community of faith, worship, and praise, and a selfless ministry manifesting individually and corporately the gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's coming up a time where the focus is going to be here, the fruit and the gifts, especially the gifts of the Spirit. Because guess what? Each one of you have gifts. And just like that little, just like that little tendon, the gift ain't for you. The gift is for you to use toward the body so that it works properly and correctly. Okay. Okay, a community where all life is inspired and directed by the Spirit of Jesus Christ and is lived to his glory as a witness and testimony of the world. I think that is an amazing testimony and definition of what the church in its broader expressions needs to be. Now the final thing, and then I, I want us to be able to uh, share together the Lord's table, is actually this was in the churches that we served as, as an expression of the fact that we were a community of the king, a community of the redeemed, we actually had a commitment toward one another. I just want to read to you, as a community, what our, what our commitment was. The Lord Jesus Christ has called us into a covenant with himself and one another according to the will of the Father through the grace, mercy, and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Together we will worship and serve Jesus Christ as Lord. May we fellowship, there's that word, koinonia, together in the love of God, 
knowing that this is possible by laying down our lives through faithful service one to another as unto the Lord. As God's word and spirit directs, submitting ourselves to God's order, okay, authority, okay, and discipline in the home and community and committing ourselves to one another according to his particular calling in each life. As Jesus, through his shed blood, reconciled us to God and to one another, may we walk in like manner of sacrifice toward him and one another in obedience to his commandment. What's the commandment? Love one another as I have loved you. May we respect, encourage, and strengthen one another and help preserve the unity of the family, devoting ourselves to teaching and instruction, stimulating one another to love and good deeds, sharing ourselves, especially our time and talents. See, this is what God's been saying all morning. Please pay attention to what he's been saying to you. Taking our meals with thankfulness and gladness of heart and to prayer, remembering to be quick to forgive, tenderhearted toward each other. May we pursue unity with all brothers and sisters in Christ and peace with all men, giving ourselves over to hospitality to those whom God may send to us. We will continue to follow Jesus into grace, truth, and holiness, being conformed to his image, joyously preparing ourselves for the, for the return of the Lord. God's called us, all of us, to be a community of the King. We don't have necessarily the luxury of so-and-so is my next-door neighbor so that I can quickly get there. But the reason that I ask, how many of you live reasonably close to someone else that's in the church? You've got access to one another in ways like that. If there are people who live fairly close to you, make that a priority. We need to develop relationally with one another because we become the expression in this area of the life of Christ through Rockside Church. The other thing is this. You got cell phones, you got emails, you got text messages. The, the rhythms aren't restricted necessarily because we only meet once a week. You can call one another. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? God gave me this for you. You can send a text. God gave me this scripture for you. It ain't about you. It's about you being sensitive and in his presence so that if he gives you something for someone, you're able to convey that. You'll never be seen for some of that, just like the little tendon. But boy, the results of that will be huge if the one to whom it is directed receives that which God gives because you were obedient and surrendered to risk feeling awkward or strange and just saying, God showed me this for you. God gave me this scripture. And because of the technology now, daily is not a problem. So that when you come together on Sundays, it's not to make unity, it's to express unity. It's to express the community. And it's enhanced because it's not me singing to God. It's us together singing to Him. Let's all stand together.